a Shishkin Productions podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Yo, welcome to the Sizzle Real podcast. podcast. We're here live in the Matt H. King Memorial Arena. Yes, we are. It's, I'm excited. It's, yes, we're at what's this? 153. Oh wow! Yeah, a lot of them. That's it's too many. I was thinking about that it's earlier. I was like, I cannot believe we've done this yeah, many. I know it's it doesn't hun- doesn't feel like that many. It's really yeah. I don't know. Do you look at other shows that have done like thousands or six or seven hundred, eight hundred, and you're like, holy shit! Don't worry, guys. No. Qu- quantity over quality here at the Sizzle Reel for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, one of these days, the sizzle reel will fizzle. But for now, the sizzle keeps on sizzling. Summer sizzle is over. It has yep. come to a close. Very sadly. But uh, we're about to enter a phenomenal fall of <laughs> further sizzle reel episodes. We'll be doing some on-location episodes that you guys will find out about very, very soon. Okay. <laughs> can't can't wait. <laughs> and those, those are going to be a good time. <laughs> I don't know where, but we'll <laughs> we, it out. we don't have the money for that anymore. <laughs> That's true. We, we're going to walk around the fucking warehouse areas around here. Yeah, with, maybe with, we'll have another Las Vegas show sooner than later. Mm, it's it's a possibility. Pretty cool. pretty cool. Uh, Chris, before we start, why don't you give the people social plugs real quick and well, then we can move on. I guess I can do that. We are at Sizzle Real Gang on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. We are Sizzle Real Gang at gmail.com. Send yes. us an email. Why not? Do it. Uh, we are Sizzle Real Gang, the website.com. Mm-hmm. It, it's a cool ass website. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Or maybe it's a good ass website. I keep forgetting. Yeah, it's both. And most importantly, we have the Sizzle Reel Cold Line. Burr. Burr. Oh my goodness, that thing is freezing. freezing. It's yes. so cold. Summer's gone and, and it's freezing again. I licked the cold line and my tongue got stuck to it. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> that is 332 I'm glad you got your tongue off. Colin. Call in, text in, uh, do whatever you need to do. Get your yayas out on the cold line. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but you know, don't do it on the cold line. Do it on the cold line. I don't give a rat's ass. (laughs) Alexa puts his tongue there. (laughs) Okay, okay. Oh yeah, call in, leave a message or something, or text in and and ask us a question. Um, look, I'm gonna go ahead and just say it. I think this episode is going to be a little bit crazy. This is we're getting back to our as you, I said, it's getting philosophical. You said we're yes. getting back to our roots. Yeah, absolutely. The why, why would you of, say that? Well, because I think I feel like the first few episodes, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily talking about like what we were up to that week. Yeah, uh, we were we were a little bit bigger picture about the philosophy of editing of post production. Yeah. It's almost like every other post production podcast. You know, I've because I've looked up a, a lot of them before just to kind of get an others. idea. Wow. Well, there's the ones that are like interview based where they talk to actual editors. Those yeah. obviously continue and they go on because you know there's a endless supply of editors and they work on movies and mm-hmm, shit. Sure. Um, the ones that were mostly chatterbox podcasts, those like ended usually anywhere from like 50 to 100 episodes in because I think they got to like that uh, maximum capacity where they're like we can't there's nothing else to talk about yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's like you, you you cut videos you put them together that's the fucking thing it's not that hard yeah it's like the uh 
oh god is it is it the fermi paradox where jeez we got a smart guy over here well that that's the one with the the aliens like why haven't we reached out and uh or why you know if all this time has happened and and we've never made contact you're saying that they saw us and kept moving (laughs) well no no like i i think one of the um uh i guess hypotheses is that there's each civilization like reaches a some sort of breaking point that like maybe we don't know what it is right but it it stops uh, stops, it stops the civilization from ever getting to that point of making contact okay so how does that relate to the i'll let you finish uh (laughs) thanks uh they all kind of reach that point and like we don't know necessarily why maybe it's because they just ran out of content maybe it's because they didn't get the buy-in you're saying they if they kept going long enough that they that would discover new content <laughs> eventually they would discover <laughs> the it. whole show is going to change yes it's going to no longer be about I'm post-production tr- I'm trying at to be all philosophical about oh, it's it. a good start it's a good start we used to be more philosophical is what we're talking about and today it's going to be a lot of uh sort of future of 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 editing and uh some big directors have made some statements on ai and the future of cinema and you know, it just got me thinking. So I don't know. I was like, yeah, yeah we can bullshit about this for a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, before we really get into it, what have you been up to? Um, it's been kind of like a lot of small things, like wrapping up projects, all the small things. All the small things. Um, I had a, uh, a video uh, for, I, I guess it's a nonprofit or like a, a charitable <laughs> foundation. I feel like you were working on that last week. I was, but it carried over into this week. There were a couple more things to do. Really? Yeah. It, they were really small edits, but you know, they still had to be done. Uh, so I was able to finalize that video this week. Uh, there is, <laughs> I called it the project that just keeps giving when yeah. we went to uh, DC for the MLS all-star game. Oh yeah. I did a, a video for the board of governors that everyone really liked. And, uh, it ended up airing on, on Apple TV a couple different times. You and were just crushing it with the MLS <clears throat> relationship, dude. Yeah. It, it feels great. I, I've actually had several projects recently that like everyone's been super stoked about. Summer of Chris. It's been great. Uh, especially because... I, I thought they were all just, they were decent videos, Dude, but the, the response has been larger than expected. That's kind of the best part about editing is it doesn't matter if the video is really good. It's more important if the client's the client happy. Likes it, that's yeah, that's and that, that's what makes me happy. So let me get this straight. You this summer have been on vacation every fucking weekend. Basically. You have knocked out every fucking video you've done. Yeah. And you still haven't been paid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no, it's, it's funny because it's sad, it's and it's sad because so it's true. true. Yeah. Um. So so that video came back up. Uh. You know, it's been about six weeks since since I did that, but they wanted an updated version with a, a few more events from that week included. Uh, yeah. Knocked that out yesterday, and they were very happy with it. No notes, which that was a great thing to wake up to this morning. Yeah, that was cool. I saw that, and I was like, "All right, damn, yeah. knocked it out." And uh, last, but but possibly most importantly, uh, server maintenance. Ooh, the yeah. jellyfish almost went under on yeah. us, dude. It was it was acting up. Things were getting squirrely for a few days. A there. little bit, yeah. I was but, like, uh, how ironic. This is right after the week where we discussed uh, how long do you hold on to footage for, <laughs> and then like <laughs> server almost completely shit itself. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, we're we're good now, and uh, I was able to clear up a whole a whole bunch of space. I cleared yeah. up like four terabytes maybe two weeks ago, or no, I, I cleared up up to seven, and we've already taken 
four of those back and i think i'm clearing another three or four today so Which, uh, we're about to i'm about to put another terabyte and a half on it so it'll be that's how it goes we're kind of just yeah the push and pull the uh the ever creeping push and pull of of mass capacity on yeah. the server we're that's certainly we're getting say. to a point where we need to upgrade but we're just not in the position to do it yeah it's been a it, we'll we'll do it we'll do a big year annual wrap up at the end of the year sure. recapping how this year was we'll bring amy on it'll oh, be a wow. uh what do they call it? like a warts and all retelling of our <laughs> autobiographical whatever i don't know the true story the true story of the sizzle reel um behind the sizzle <laughs> <laughs> um for me i've been back in my tech bag i've been back in my tech bag it was a minute since I've done any of these big ass tech videos. Sometimes I, you know, I was doing like small social ones, right? Sure. But for this one, this week, I was on a gigantic, very in the weeds, very in-depth tech video um, that had me here till like 10 o'clock a couple nights. But I will say at the end of the day, it all, it's, it's, I think it's really good. I, okay. It's nice. like, it's like 35 minutes. And uh, it features like 15 different speakers. Yeah, I made lower thirds for you yesterday. And I was like, how many people are in this video? Yeah, dude. But it's and it's shot across five different cities, I think. Whew. But uh, I managed to take kind of all of their parts, put them together coherently and marry them to like the proper kind of they gave us a bunch of PowerPoint decks. So there was oh. like 15, not maybe not 15, so overdoing, maybe like 10 different PowerPoint decks that each had X amount of slides. Sure. So I was kind of like, at first I was like, damn, where am I going to get any of this B-roll to fit what they're talking about? And then finally, like somehow on the last day, right when I was getting to the B-roll, uh, the director sends through, Matt King, sends oh, through perfect. all of these slides. And I was like, okay, cool. I actually literally every word they're saying matches up with like some slides somewhere in this presentation so well and, and with the the density of of the the, the content that yeah. they're talking about i feel like those slides are going to help a lot dude yeah it was amazing i was like okay this actually worked out and so then i i, I hit the uh, hit man up today i said what do you think is it like 85 80 85 percent of the way there and yeah. he was like dude i think this thing is great i would be surprised if they have very many notes at all cool i was like i think they're gonna have a lot of notes personally no. because i left a lot of shit out but i think they'll have a lot of notes um which i don't care it's fine i, that, I i'm cool with the notes that's the thing though is like a lot of notes on a 35 minute video it, it not necessarily about totally thing. i yeah i don't i literally don't care how many notes yeah. they have this is like there's some projects you know where you go damn i really hope they have zero notes because i don't want to like with this one i don't know i, f I feel like uh, it could it can be like a hundred notes and I'll be like that makes sense that's reasonable or whatever yeah you know that, what I mean? that's like a, a a note every twenty seconds or whatever yeah the, the worst is when you get like sixty notes on a five minute video because we've yeah. had that happen that's or the worst is when you get like five really big big overarching yeah, notes yeah that aren't that are like, aren't super specific either yeah, that's really the worst they're more philosophical yeah oh geez um yeah so other than that I've been uh playing a lot of soccer and making soccer videos, but not necessarily soccer videos in the way you might think where I'm like, it's anything involving playing soccer, but it's from the uh, Calling All Casuals podcast mm -hmm. and chopping that shit out into TikTok kind of um, TikTok friendly content. And uh, yeah, it's fun. I like doing those. Yeah, good, so. it's pretty good content too. Like it's, it's interesting stories, typically about like individual soccer players that maybe you know your standard your average american fan mm. isn't aware of um yeah. or, or like 
you know, just pieces of history of soccer. What I'm noticing with those is like, you know, I'm not going to make content out of every episode, but I think whenever it's the four of us, me, Amy, Jordan and Eric, mm-hmm. all in the in the room, I think those are the episodes where I'll be pulling some segments out of because, you know. Multiple voices, multiple yeah. perspectives. Yeah, more chances for a little bit of comedy. A little bit of banter. A little bit of banter. Um, Chris, so let's get into the real fucking uh, meat of the show here. Sure. So uh, Rick Linklater debuted a new movie at uh, Venice, I think. Uh, the movie is about a hitman or something like that. Uh, it's actually called Hitman. Oh. And... Um, he was asked in an interview with Hollywood Reporter a lot of questions about it, and and that was all well and good, and I didn't really read much of those. But what I did see, and I think, uh, pro- I think we'll call him Producer Kevin. Fuck it for this one. We'll call him Producer Kevin. Sure. But one of our sizzlers uh, tipped me off to this. He sent this over. It was uh, the Hollywood Reporter asked him, they said, you're such a pioneer of American indie cinema. Do you think a career like the one you've cut out for yourself and enjoyed over the years is possible anymore? How do you view the current state of American movie making coming out of the pandemic? And his opening line, he said, it feels like it's gone with the wind or gone with the algorithm. Hmm. So um, I don't know. You had a look at this. What, what was your kind of gut reaction to this? Um, well, I really appreciated his perspective on things. Um, just like at one point he says, like, you know, my more or less, he says, my opinion doesn't carry any more weight than anyone else's. And I'm not not in the business of making big overarching statements like yep. that. Uh, but he does he does kind of allude to, you know, he, he mentions how like he does know of kids who who have the criteria on channel. And when I saw that, when you said Kevin, it all made sense. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. Kevin just has a, a Google alert for criteria. Yeah, that's, that's pro- probably true. Anytime criterion comes <laughs> up, he, his phone starts blowing up. Uh, but then, then he, he mentions that he knows that that's uh, culturally an exception. Like most people aren't growing up on, on films the same way yeah. that, that past generations may have. Um, and it, it's more about, I guess quick, quick bites, um, and he 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 talks about how he he sees uh, a struggle of cinema going back to what it once was, and he honestly overall he sounds pretty negative about it. Like he doesn't think that it will necessarily be like it once was. I, I kind of disagree. Like I don't. Maybe it won't be the the same but i don't think movies are going anywhere i know a lot of people and i think you're included think that that cinema is kind of on its way out i just yeah i think that that's always going to be a valued uh part of of the content that that we seek it's funny that you say that word i know well that's and that's why i did it because he says in, in rick linklater in this interview says i think we could feel it coming on when they started calling films content but that's what happens when you let tech people take over your industry, which is like, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, you said this earlier when we were chatting out before the show, mm-hmm. you said um, you said to me, there's a difference between filmmaking and content creation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I agree. But I think that nowadays God, this it's so hard to do this whole show right now this one today particular without sounding like a curmudgeon or like a get off my lawn type oh yeah motherfucker i'm gonna be a hater a lot for me it's just like i don't for for, i don't know i I think maybe for the younger the the younger 
let's call them let's call them filmmakers but for the younger people who are creating anything that's visual what is the difference there's no difference between content creator and filmmaker it's the same shit to them because it's about how you consume it the only reason we see a difference is because we witnessed the development of that of what content quote-unquote is we've we witnessed like we witnessed a world before TikTok, a world before Instagram reels, yeah. a world before phones could even take videos, you know? So like we were the last of a dying breed, which is why, like I love Rick Linklater. He's my favorite director, sure. literally bar none, number one. Um, but it, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just different times, different generations and, and different times. Like I, it's also, it, I think it's sad that cinema is, is dying, but to me, it's just how it is, you know? Um, he has another good quote in here where he says some really intelligent, passionate, good citizens just don't have the same need for literature and movies anymore. And it's like, I, I, that is a hundred percent how I feel, you know, like I don't, I don't really read or watch movies anymore. See, I, I don't really read. Well, I don't, I don't read books. Like I don't read fiction really. I read a lot, but it's mostly like news current events stuff like that yeah um but i do watch movies in fact i think i watch more movies now than i have in a long time like that's uh it it's about to go away a little bit but usually when summer happens there aren't really sports going on sports is what takes up most of my time from like september through june um but so like last year my escape was video games. Like I was playing a lot of video games and they, they we'll talk about this a little bit later with the yeah. next interview. But yeah. for, for me, that was like a long form of storytelling that was also interactive. Like I, I am a big fan of video games that have like a deep, rich story um, and to, to go along with like a fun gaming experience. I, you know what I find interesting is, in, and I'm with you with that about that. Like yeah. I'm a video game. I video games are my preferred way to kill time. But you know what's interesting for me? The way I, the stories that I find in video games aren't even like your stereotypical like Starfield, or whatever the yeah, fuck yeah. that is, or like uh, Final Fantasy or something. Like I don't care about that. I actually just play sports games and like f- make up my own stories in my head, which is like, That's, you know, because I'll yeah. be like, oh, this is my character. It's the golfer, Lorax Loraxovich and, <laughs> and uh, PGA 23. And I got these rivals and I'm trying to win the TPC or whatever. It's like, well, sure. But you, cares about you also played uh, oh, what, Disco Elysium, which is, I love Disco Elysium, which yeah. is like, the, you know, 90 percent of the game is is kind of text based. It's and reading. It, yeah. yeah, it's reading. And it's you get to make choices that kind of define who your character is and you get to build your character and tell their story in your own way along the way it, it's a different form of, yeah. of storytelling but it's 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 interactive and it's engaging yeah um th- this year though i didn't really play as many video games i've just been watching movies like i got into like a spy thriller action movie kick for most of the summer um just because and, yeah and maybe maybe my movie habits are different like i don't want to watch just like this great story but is it's depressing or like it makes you think like i kind of like popcorn movies a lot i i want it to be fun and interesting and and bigger than life i will say you know for me in, in the last 10 years i have definitely shifted a lot in my my filmmaking tastes because yeah. there were there was a time when like i actually really enjoyed going to the movie theater i still i still like it but yeah, like yeah. i would actually 
just be like, oh, I got nothing to do. Let me go to this theater, like the random local indie theater yeah. and just go to a random movie. And yeah. I saw like so many random movies that I just kind of, that there were independent cinema. I just went and saw them. And now I don't do that shit at all anymore. And it's crazy because I live in a place where like, it's probably one of the best places in the world to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird. Like, I don't know. It, it's just a different Maybe pace pace has changed, or I don't, yeah, I don't. The I, delivery systems are different. I think a lot of it for me personally, why I don't engage in new movies as much is because growing up, my favorite type of movie was was a comedy, yeah. and you know there was a few years, you know, through the the late nineties into maybe twenty ten ish, where there there were some pretty solid comedies coming out uh, that that have good good staying power like forgetting sarah marshall or super bad or you know even anchorman i loved anchorman um and i don't think that those comedies really exist in the same way and i think a lot of a lot of hollywood comedians would agree and you know whether it's because they're afraid of uh like offending anyone or if they're just out of ideas i don't know what it is but i think that studios won't take a risk on them because yeah. you know you're less likely that like the hip the hit rate is so low and yeah, yeah and com- comedy it might be the most difficult type of movie it also to make. Doesn't, doesn't have any staying power so the chances yes. of like you making a you make a comedy and okay first of all it might not even hit but say it hits and is relevant will it still be relevant in a year will it still be relevant in five years yeah. if you go back and watch any comedy like they they really just don't hold up. Like I would say nine ninety five percent of comedy is always like about a moment. Sure. So like it's very easy for it to get dull. Yeah. Well, and, and like some comedies are timeless, but I like think you airplane, said, airplane's timeless. Too. Hey, yeah, airplane. Sure, like airplane because like that is so stupid. The humor is so dumb that it's like okay, this can't age. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain style of comedy that I think will always be funny, especially when it's not super. Uh, I guess pop cultural pop culture referential yeah like if they can make jokes that are independent of society at that time yeah but are still funny then then those last like that's, that right. and that, that's why someone like like mitch hedberg is still people still love his jokes because right. they're they're just kind of wacky and like they're silly they're silly they're, they're at, dumb they're like at that level where like it's so it, yeah it's just it, it doesn't it has nothing to do with society. Yeah. It's just like observations or whatever. But you know what's weird about observations? I, I there's an observation on an observation. <laughs> I uh I think Seinfeld's shit fucking blows now, honestly. Like I loved it. Like ten years ago you could show me a which, You mean his stand up or the show? Hot take, both, I think. Yeah. I, I think the stand up was always obviously like corny and like observational, but sure. I feel like for me nowadays. I don't even if if an old Seinfeld like stand up bit or any even his modern stand up shit I like have zero interest in watching any Jerry Seinfeld content at all. When it comes up on TikTok, I'm like, this guy's I don't like him. He just he's unlikable. I don't know what it is about him. I never but, cared about a stand up. Uh, I will say though, speak. the show. I don't even really enjoy the show anymore. It's just like it, it just something about it just different i don't know it's just it's it's aged maybe it maybe i maybe i'm fucking different but i i still like the show i don't i don't go out of my way to watch it but th- there are certain episodes that like they don't hold up just from a, a technology standpoint yeah. like you know talking about the, the maybe the answering machine episodes yeah. like that for someone growing the up nostalgia now, of it's cool the nostalgia is cool but if you weren't around for it then like why would you give a crap about that yeah exactly um i think 
that to me is why the idea like okay the fact that comedy ages so poorly is why i love uh improv and i love yeah like talking comedy and podcasts because that to me is like very just in the moment it happens that's it and you know I don't need to. It's not meant to last forever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Comedy is just ephemeral. Very drama, on the other hand, is you know, life like a life uh, a lifelong kind of timeless thing. Sure. Which is, I think, why it comes back to Rick Linklater's perspective on, you know, cinema, kind of dying because because he makes stuff that's a little bit more. You know, it's a bit. It's not not necessarily like super over the top dramatic, but he does tell stories that are like a bit more rooted in like real life and human relationships and stuff. Yeah. I, I do want to uh, quote one last line from him where he's kind of talking, he's expanding on the idea of we don't have the same need for literature and movies as we once did. Mm-hmm. He says that need has been filled up with, let's face it, advanced delivery systems for advertising. It's yeah. sad, but what can you do? And that yep. I feel like that's extremely poignant. Like he's hundred percent on the dot. And, you know, that's yeah. uh, that's part of what capitalism does. Right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it, it's it's brutal. Um, Yeah. It's I mean, there's literally nothing else to say. It, yeah. it is. It is brutal. I think that like that's I don't know. 90s filmmaking has always been my favorite shit. Like, I think that 90s American independent cinema is like untouchable. It's so I thought, so I thought 90s uh, like Hollywood mainstream cinema was incredible, too. Yeah. But I, I really, really loved all that 90s DIY shit. And let, I mean, it's hard to call it DIY, but like indie shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, there's a ton of people making movies out there now still. It's just that like it's yeah, they, they've been um, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but it's it's about the distribution. The distribution is just different. It and is, yeah. there is no way to like get a movie of that caliber made unless you do it yourself. And then once you've done it yourself, where can it go? Who knows? Good luck competing (laughs) with all the noise. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you were talking about video games a little bit earlier. We we mentioned how um, video games are kind of, I think both of our preferred entertainment. Yeah. It's it's definitely up there for me. Um, And Harmony Corinne, another independent filmmaker at one point. Now he's just a director who I guess, works on Travis Scott music videos and yeah. shit. But he, um, Harmony Corinne, the mind behind Gummo, behind Kids, behind Spring Breakers, uh, has a new film coming out. If you have been keeping up with any of this, uh, it's called Agro Drift. Yes. And uh, it features Travis Scott in it. And it's very, very bizarre. It's filmed on a therm- it's filmed on thermal cameras yes and it has a it relies on 3d imaging vfx and ai tools to render the entire result um it's a very it, it, when i saw this i was like this is fucking weird there's like a 15 second teaser that was posted on uh on tiktok or uh, sorry on suck. twitter um but it's uh the company that he started is called edgelord and it's spelled <laughs> e-d-g-l-r-d uh yeah i have it's i have some issues with y- it's, with all this it's it's all very very bizarre but uh harmony Corinne did an interview so this film let me start before we talk about the interview sure. this film screened at uh venice i think and it was like fairly controversial i think uh it, it got a 10 minute standing ovation at the end but 
That's ridiculous. 10 but, minutes. Who's going to stand there and clap for 10 minutes? But uh, it says at least 25 people just l- departed during the movie. Um, and they said that during the press screening on Friday night, at least 20 people left during the film. So very divisive. Fall, it makes sense. It's like Spring Breakers yeah. was also super divisive. And I, I remember when I saw Spring Breakers, I thought it sucked. I thought it was trash. And then it grew on me over the next like six months. It's like, actually, this movie's kind of fucking awesome. But like I so I guess before we start talking about the article, I just I need to get out some thoughts on Harmony Corinne. I I do not like his movies. Uh, just like straight up. I, I haven't enjoyed any of the movies that he's made that I've seen. Uh, that said, I do respect, uh, that he is experimental and he does try different things. I think his stories suck. I think the storytelling is trash. Uh, in half, half the time there isn't even a story in the movie, in my opinion. Uh, but the, the way he makes his movies is very interesting and, and, and I think that's valid. Uh, so I am. I, I do want to see this. I want to see. I want to see it too. But I, I, for me, I'm more interested in like the spectacle, the spectacle, yeah, too. and the visual effects, and and like seeing what this is all about. Because I do, th- I think he is the perfect music video director. Because yeah. like you don't really need to tell a story in a music video; you just need shit to look cool for yeah. a few minutes. And I think he's great at that. Uh, I think that's his his niche that he needs to stay in. Well, you know, it's uh, funny. It makes that makes sense why people would walk out because there's they probably were like, okay, I've seen. 40 minutes of this. I, I get it. Yeah, like, I don't I don't care to see how it ends. I sure. know how the style. I know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, the variety uh, chief film critic, this guy, Peter DeBruge. This is what he said about Agro Drift. And then we'll get into Harmony's uh, interview with Friday. But uh, Peter DeBruge said, this is the first movie I've seen that doesn't feel like it was meant to be watched. Instead, it was designed to wash over you. Okay. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. He also says that it in his opinion, I guess it could potentially become like Scarface. It could be a touchstone cultural reference uh, for for audiences who see themselves in its attitude and energy. So high, high, high praise, high praise, though, yeah. to say that it could be like Scarface-esque. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see it. Now, here's the my biggest kind of thing. This is how I even discovered it was because of what Harmony Corinne said in these interviews. And he he was also talking about algorithms a lot like Rick Linklater was and maybe how cinema is dying. But he's leaning into it. Yeah. Rick Linklater's perspective seemed to be like, man, it's dying. But what can you do? I guess we're just along for the ride. Yeah. Harmony Corinne is basically like, hey, it's dying, but that's fucking tight. This is an opportunity to make new shit, which I respect the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah, it's no, it, cool. it, it's interesting. He, you know, there's a line that says TikTok, YouTube, video games. These are the influences operating on Corinne's latest feature length provocation, Agro Drift. Um, I like when you said that he's the uh, perfect music video director because it makes sense when you think about his quotes in this. Yeah, I mean, it it, it does. And I, I don't know. It, there are certain points where I feel like he's a 50 year old trying to be like young and hip because it's it's aggro drift the the eye is a one but I think that's part he, of him trolling I, I think know I know but it, it like it just seems very try hard like the company is called Edge Lord. that's the point and then at the end he's talking about blinks which are like maybe they're not even films they're just like short little yeah. clips of things and it's but like I think that's the point I think he's subverting that idea like I think he realizes how corny that is right that's why it's 
done that way. Maybe not. Maybe but, but that's, a too th- much that's the thing. Is like I don't know because based on his movies, but he's a troll. Yeah, I don't know how much of it is him trolling and how much of it is like him just being an artist who's taking himself seriously. I don't know he what the, the line is. He came and did the press conferences in like full masks while smoking a cigar, <laughs> like full like crazy animal masks. Like I, I really think that he knows exactly what he's doing and he's yeah. trolling on purpose. It's, and I fucking love it. I it, look, and it's possible. Um, it, and and if he is doing it on purpose, then I support it. But I, it, at at times, it's it's just yeah, it's, it's hard to take seriously. Oh well, I, I, yeah, it's hard to take. Seriously. I don't think he's making an argument to take it seriously. You know, he said, um, in terms of you know what, what you were saying about him gravitating towards short form content. Yes, he said, I'll see a clip on TikTok that's so inexplicable, so outside the realm of what I even imagine someone creating. Like I can have an experience with a 30 second clip that goes so far beyond what movies do. And it's like, that, I haven't had that happen, but but that's, what's crazy is that like, it's such a flip side from what the Rick Linklater interview was. Yeah, Cause yeah. It, and it, I, I think I'm somewhere in between. I think I probably land more towards what Harmony Corinne is saying. Yeah. But like, I also, you know, I've said it a lot. I prefer to watch TikTok than to watch movies. Um, This isn't a movie, however. Agro Drift, he says, is closer to being inside of a game. So his idea was to kind of work with, he said he's been working with a lot of tech people and also creative people like gaming developers and animators trying to develop something that he feels was the next phase the next phase of cinema, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, and it could be an important stepping stone for cinema and and, and its evolution. Uh, and you know, he also talks about <clears throat> his next project, which I believe is called Baby Invasion, <laughs> 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 which is a, a home invasion thriller with an interactive component. And this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, he says he's editing it now, but it's very post intensive. Uh, one of his ideas for that film is that it'll have almost no specific order. It'll be constantly remixing itself and allow people to remix it. Uh, I, I think I think he's echoing a lot of this, like literally in the last segment we were talking, I think he's echoing a lot of the same exact stuff that we were saying we're interested in. Yeah, I mean, it, it is absolutely interesting. And it's, anything interactive, any interactive media is going to grab my attention. It's listen, listen, but but, but with the way he describes it, like listening to him describe yes. it is like listening to a madman kind of. Oh, yeah, of course. I think it I think it's basically a yeah, part of it is that uh, this is a direct quote from him in this thing. Video games are so advanced and so much more interesting than normal films. I could be sitting there playing a video game for days, whereas it's hard for me to make it through any of these films. That's pretty much like literally what we were just saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and, and I agree with them there. I I don't have I don't, I, I I don't just, struggle to make it through films. I just don't watch films that I don't think I'll like. Yeah. Yeah. So for the record, I think what he's saying and what Rick Linklater saying are both accurate. They don't have they. this is a yeah, yeah. They're, they're neither yeah. of them are wrong. Yeah. Both things can exist at the same time. Yeah, it's just interesting that they are that these interviews both happen so close to each other. And I don't know. I think I just think it's a very interesting time that we're in for. Film yeah. Making. Well, there's a uh, there's a quote from Corinne of both Agrodrift and Baby Invasion. It's funny. I was really trying hard to not make a film. I was trying to. Cons- <laughs> <laughs> which, great job. 
<laughs> I was trying to conceive of what comes after movies. Going forward, I think that's it's all pretty much going to be obliterated. So he he does he does agree with Linklater just in a with a very different perspective about it. Yeah. Um I think the part that is interesting to me to compare both of those articles is where they talk about growing up in the and being like young filmmakers in the 90s mm-hmm. because Linklater says Sometimes I'll talk to some of my contemporaries who I came up with during the 90s and we'll go, oh, my God, we could never get that done today. So on the one hand, selfishly, you think, I guess I was born at the right time. I was able to participate in what always feels like the last good era for filmmaking. Harmony Corinne says it was rough back then. As a child, there's so much you want to do. There's so much you have to prove. And I was really burning it up for good and for bad. My thoughts were so fast in my mind. It was difficult for me to contain it. And I was always just dreaming of things. So it almost feels like. Corinne is like, damn, finally, like now I can actually try, like with new tech advances, I can like try to create these visions that I want. Yeah. And Lick later is like, man, you know, I, what we were making was like way cooler than this. Like no one's even paying attention anymore. Yeah, you know? I, I guess. It, I mean, it's just ultimately very different perspectives. Like it's two people who are they both make I don't want to call it absurdist, but it like very different style of movies than mainstream Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, but they just do it in such different ways and they, they look for very different things in their, in their films. That's yeah, that's and, exactly it. They're flip sides of, of the indie coin. Exactly. Or whatever. Um, I'm what, tell me about these blinks. I saw this shit at the bottom here. You brought these up. Blinks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so going off what he was talking about, uh, with not trying to make a movie when he was doing aggro drift and baby invasion, uh, and talking about what comes after cinema, uh, what he's calling these post-cinema one-offs are blinks, B-L-I-N-X. Uh, so that, it, it, he says, it, it was just a name we quickly thought up. No shit. <laughs> what if maybe these aren't really films in the conventional sense? Maybe some of these aren't feature length. Maybe they're just flashes or blinks. Which is, it feels like he's just describing TikToks. But uh, yeah, well, or or vines or like, yeah. or even just shorts, you know? Right, like, yes, it, yeah. The, yeah. the idea of a short film has been around for a minute. Even like micro shorts like that has been around. Because yeah. I remember back when we were, even when we were in school, maybe even earlier, there was that uh, five, five second, second film. Five second films, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I... To me, like part of it comes off as like the the Gen Z, everything has to be labeled and it has to have a new fun name. Yeah. Uh, I I just I wouldn't even blame Gen Z for that, though. I think that's more of just America's capitalist obsession. That's that's part of the fact that everything has to be marketable. You know, like, why do we have to come up with a name for it? It's just it's a film. Like, just call it whatever. Just who cares? Don't don't just don't even talk about it. Yeah. Just don't even do it. Just don't even bother. Don't even bother. I thought it was funny because in the comments, someone someone wrote, it's sad that Corinne's allowing his unchecked ADHD to negatively impact his artistic process and overall taste. <laughs> I mean, he is so, clearly ADHD, he, but but that I don't think that negatively affects it. I think that is. I it. think that like, allows for yeah, it. To exactly. Thrive. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like he's changing who he is. Is. He's been pretty consistent with with his films over the course of 25, 30 years. Um, but he says a blinks is something that's really like its own medium. <laughs> it could be one second long or it could be one year long. It, it really, he really sounds like a, a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of a film that never ends, that just goes on and on and changes the way the world changes. That's like that's that. That was they tried to do that. That was like the remember we live in public. That yeah, old, yeah, that yeah. Doc, that's basically that, too. You know what I mean? I just 
Why call it a Blinks? What's a Blinks? I don't even get it. How are we going to watch it? We're going to watch it on our phone? Well, I, and also, also I love that a, a Blink or a Blinks because it's spelled with an X. So I don't know if there's a, a singular version. Uh, it can be a second. That is that is literally a Blink. Or yeah. it could be a year. How yeah, is I that don't a, know. Get, uh, I'm whatever. just wondering how it's, how it's consumed. You know, maybe there's a new way to consume. I it. I don't think know. he knows yet. And it, like, that's the thing is on the one hand. Uh, I think he's a ridiculous person, but on the other hand, I, I do really respect people who are trying to approach the industry in new ways and try to be innovative and, and try to move things into a different space because that's going, yeah. it's going to happen one way or another. Uh, but, but to have that vision, I think is that's it's, special. It's basically, but I also think his movies are trash. So yeah. it's <laughs> him, him versus Linklater is basically a futurist versus a romantic. It's like, the, yeah. that's literally what it is. Yeah. You know, like one person is like, Hey, I want to push things forward. He even says AI is just the tool. I don't necessarily see it as an existential threat to me. It's just another type of paintbrush. And I, I agree which, with him there. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's true. At I mean, least I, the, the current state. Yeah, they're, they're but, like I said, they're both they're both fucking right. Um, I don't know. I thought that was very cool, though. I'm excited to see Agro Drift at some point. I think that'll be really fun. And I'm also really excited too if it ever gets finished. See Rick Linklater's uh, what's the uh, Merrily We Roll Along? Oh yeah, because he's doing Merrily We Roll Along, but it's like a very it's like one of those really really extensive like kind of drawn out where it's shot over the course of x amount of years and stuff like that like it's a oh. it's a really big thing i think i don't know kevin if you're hearing this call in or text in tell us exactly what's up with merrily we roll along i feel like that's something you would know yeah i'm excited to watch uh, about 10 minutes of aggro drift <laughs> yeah that's a good i just i just want to see the i like i want to see the the spectacle of it i'll but. say here's what i'll say final closing thought on harmony corinne's movies yes they are the perfect movies to put on in the background at a party. Yes, 100%. Like, if you have three or Except four... Except for maybe kids. Yeah, maybe not kids. But, like, you know, Spring Breakers, Agro Drift, I don't know, Julian Donkey Boy, whatever. Yeah. Just, like, <laughs> throw them on on the TV while everyone's getting drunk. Put it on mute. It's fine. Yeah. And then just look over every so often and go, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, what's like, going on what here? What the fuck's going on over there? It's, uh, it's good, you know? Um, Chris, why don't you... Uh, well, yeah, why don't you lead us into this last thing before we get... Oh, out yeah. Totally forgot about this. So so the Edit Emu sent us a YouTube link, uh, and the title of of the of the video is The Story of YouTube's First Millionaire Editor, uh, who is Hayden Hillier-Smith. Uh, and it's an interview with him. It's a long-form interview. It's about 40 minutes long. Full disclosure, I did not watch it. I like, didn't I, watch I, I, I wa- single second. I watched maybe three minutes of it just to kind of get a an idea of what he what it was going to be about. Uh, some of some of the emus notes are some good insight in this podcast on hiring an editor. I think it could be good for me to pull some clips and speak to what they. S- oh, I think it. Yeah. Uh, so I, he I, wants to pull some clips and kind of create content around like responding to it, right? Okay, cool. And um, so I was like, you know. Uh, I think you should react, but I'm not going to watch it because I don't really care about editing, but I think you'll have some salient points. Yeah. So I, I also think you'll have some salient points, Chris, which is why I wanted to bring this to the table. Uh, I have some very base level unsalient points, which I'll just stay right now. I don't give a fuck about what a YouTube editor has to say. I don't really give a fuck about what any editor has to say. 
That's why, like, I don't even listen to this show. I just do it because I'm practicing fucking being on mic. Yeah. See, unfortunately, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I, I don't want to be the guy who discounts YouTube editors as like not real because obviously it is, and I'm sure that a lot of those edits are extremely uh, time intensive. I don't know how. I'm not saying that they're not good at their craft at all. I'm just saying that I don't care. Like, I just literally don't give a fuck about hearing from someone who telling me about how they worked with Logan Paul or Mr. Beast. I just don't care. Like, I've been offered those jobs, too, to work for Mr. Beast. I don't I didn't take them because they're not interesting to me. It's just like I don't want to do it like I I could. But that's not where my my value system is a little different. Like, I just don't get value out of that you know well yeah and so i there there's one section that i was i was listening to and the question was do you think you're do you think of yourself as an editor because this uh this editor also has his own youtube channel now he's on camera he does producing so obviously he's more than just an editor and i don't know enough about him to know how he made his money like did he make his money purely off of editing like because if he did i would be extremely surprised that logan paul or jake paul whichever one mm-hmm. and mr beast are paying that much because well first of all i know how much mr beast pays editors mm-hmm. because you had that that interview i guess mm-hmm. um i it, it, unless he was able to get some sort of a, a percentage deal with that then i could see him making his money editing but th- this it's gets- not hard to make a million dollars as an editor though i'm pretty sure i've done that over the course of my career yeah but this this kid's like granted this kid's this, like 24 yeah he's like 24 yeah, so fair, enough, fair enough fair he's enough. super young um so i'm i'm assuming that part of his his profits have been through growing his own channel um and kind of tagging on to the popularity of of these other creators mm-hmm. and i could be wrong um but I, i'm kind of with you where one i don't think People talking about editing is interesting. <laughs> hey, no, but really, I don't. Um, I don't and I like, I'm just not interested in consuming it. Um, to be fair, we're this is a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, we we pretend to be an editing podcast, but really, we bring highbrow comedy to the table. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here. Yes. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> um, I I think like I, I got to assume that this is more focused at young people who are interested in a career in editing i i can't i mean head for the hills run run stay away (laughs) don't do it that's that's my message to you young people uh i just i mean the emu says that it's interesting and like he he was able to to gain value out of it but i'm a pessimist he's also he's 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 an editor yeah he he like genuinely like loves consuming anything around editing and like knowing about where everything's going and what what the new yeah. tools are and I, I i'll learn the tools when they're available to me i don't i don't get too introspective about editing like typically i'm given footage and i make it the best that i can he like ma- that's kind of my he, approach he aims to master his craft and to maintain his knowledge of that craft yes. and like if he's building a boat he's going to use like the the best methods to to bring the to put the wood together and to like make sure everything is watertight and aerodynamic. And I'm like, if it floats, we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does the client like the way it floats? <laughs> we're good. That's, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> say, like I, I, 
I don't think I'm the type of person and I would assume that most season editors aren't going to gain a lot of value out of this just because if they're already successful, then like this, this information probably is going to help them a lot. Like there, there's so many good editors that don't make a million dollars because they maybe they don't know how to market themselves the right way. Maybe they just haven't had the same opportunities. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the personality for networking, whatever it is. Uh, so I don't I don't think that <clears throat> just I, I, it might not be a skill thing that that has made him this incredible right. rich editor. Well, like, and I think I'm I, sure he has sufficient skills to edit but there so do so many people editing is not difficult i mean i will say there is a couple chunks in this because they've broken it up into chapters there's a couple chunks one he's talking about building empathy one's talking about self-awareness one's talking about uh you know taking risks so those are all like soft skills you know that's like way more and i think that's way more important than fucking actually Nah, maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a hot take, but it's like almost as important as knowing how to edit. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it. it I, I think knowing how to edit that's the first step. Like you, you just have to know how to edit to be an editor. Yeah. But to really grow your career and and flourish, then you do need those soft skills because that's that's how you're going to get clients and that's how you're going to maintain those clients. I yeah. think I think that your average editor. If they could get every client they wanted at a rate that they wanted and worked as much as as they could, then they could all be millionaires. But finding those clients is the difficult part. That is the hardest part. It's true. I mean, and like like I said, like I was telling you this before the show started, but I was like, man, you know, in this they describe I'm not trying to shit on this guy. And I, I, I accidentally am like for sure during this segment. And I'm really not trying to. But my problem is more with the state of of uh, of all of this, they call him the widely acclaimed YouTube editor. Right. And it's just like and it says he like I said, it says he's worked with Logan Paul, Mr. Beast, Alex Wasabi and many others. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like people like aim to be the editor for YouTube talent. And I, I know that that shouldn't blow my mind as much as it does, but I find that shit to be so weird, bro. That like, well, he, he, he did earn the 2020 streamy for best editing. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> he won in the COVID year. I, uh, uh, I, I just, it, I don't know, man. It's like it, editing is, 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 it's in a weird place right now. So is the whole entire industry. Yeah. And it, it's also, it's just, and, and I'm being a hater, but it's so much easier to grow as as an internet personality when you're already attached to yeah. names like right. Mr. Beast and Logan Paul. Well, that's, that's how it is with everything. You yeah. can you can just kind of tag on their on their fame and you almost have a built-in fan base already. Sure, sure. Any any cross promotion, anything, it's gonna make your life a whole lot easier. And that's all but that's also how how business is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. It's like once you've had a couple clients who and that's what I always say it doesn't matter anymore because my advice is so dated at this point but when I was a younger editor my advice that I would always give my friends who were like yo how'd you get this client I was like bro if you do any branded spot any brand even brand like adjacent to a brand where like you know say it was a collab between like a blog and a brand or whatever just just put that brand front and center in your reel because like it'll show people it'll build trust you yeah, know absolutely it's like when I did back in the day videos for taste made they partnered with Stella Artois like 
I put Stella Artois in the fucking thing. When I did like a video where it was like some car show and they were they had Porsches, I put the Porsche logo because it's like, cool. I want people to know that like I've worked on content that involved Stella Artois and Porsche and yeah. all this. And then suddenly it's like, oh, shit, like that's crazy. And they just it's it builds, it builds, it builds, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's the same thing with this guy. It's like if you're working for Logan Paul, then, you know, you could probably grab a little Mr. B side hustle. Yeah, whatever, you know? I, I, I absolutely. Know. And I mean, it's funny. I, I, I Googled his name and uh, the about it says Hayden Hillier Smith is an industry leader in online editing. Uh, and then I, I looked where that source was and it's his website. And it's like, he's all smart, right. though. He's yeah, smart. No, he, he markets. And that's exactly that's the thing is like, I just don't think that that's a realistic way for editors to to grow like they can't all follow that path yeah um and he can he can only speak to his path i guess yeah like and it it honestly doesn't sound like it's been that difficult for him it seems like a right place right time kind of situation and obviously he worked on that and he like he leaned into it and yeah. made, made himself bigger which he also has the fucking balls and the audacity to be public facing which is fucking that's a lot of the work in itself. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. have to have the fucking audacity to go out and do that shit. And if you want to be like an editor and simultaneously like a personality and like a quote unquote celebrity editor mm -hmm. or whatever, like a fucking influencer, quote unquote editor, then kudos, man, go for it. Like that ain't me. <laughs> I want to edit a little bit enough i don't even want to edit but if i have to i'll do it and then i want to like play soccer and uh, vacation and eat cheeseburgers it's kind of my my goal i drink a white claw every so often yeah you know, that kind of thing once in a while uh any final thoughts on uh link later corinne or this guy no i'm just a hater what can i say yeah um all right me too well let's go to what we learned last week what we learned last week uh so you you want me to start yeah go for it um, I learned that the Rolling Stones are still making music and they have an album dropping on October 20th. It'll be their first record of new material in 18 years and it's called Hackney Diamonds. I'm pretty pumped on that. I think that'll be, that'll be really cool. Um, huge Rolling Stones fan ever since I was a young boy. Yep. That's not to quote the who or anything, but, um, for me, what I learned was, uh, it's a quote, it's a tweet that I'm going to quote from, uh, MLSist at MLSist on Twitter, Pablo Iglesias Maurer. Um, it's kind of interesting stuff. He said, the spotlight is very, very bright on Miami and Messi right now. But a few days ago, a major league soccer club gave a post-game press conference and nobody, not on Zoom, not in person, showed up to it. What's it, Colorado? That's whatever everyone's speculating if it was Colorado or New York Red Bulls. But someone said, I can I guarantee you it's not Colorado because I was there or something like that. So people okay. are thinking it was Red Bulls. Uh, there are many, many MLS clubs that still operate in the shadows, more or less, is what he says. He said, this is a semi-regular thing in MLS, particularly with midweek pressers. Plenty of times I've clicked join or walked into a room thinking, wonder if it'll be just me and blank here. It's tough out there sometimes. That's what he says. So I was like, damn. I need to figure I need to start messaging the fucking people and see if I can get into these press conferences. Yeah, why not? It'd be pretty cool. Talk to ask coaches shit and like ask them fun questions. You know, I'm not going to ask them any fucking I mean, hard you, balls. you have a soccer podcast. So I'm I, saying I feel like that that might be enough to get you in. I might have to ask, bro. I might have to start asking because I then I tweeted and I, I responded. I was like, yo, how do you like how do you uh, 
get credentialed? Yeah. Like what's the pipeline? Like, you know, if there's no interest, but there's a ton of indie blogs that maybe don't have the reach, like how do you do it? How do you get in? And, um, a couple of people were really helpful. They were like, Hey, reach out and, um, to this person, or this is how you do it. You have to ask for their specific, each team has their specific contact. Da, 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 da. And then one guy was like, he said, uh, I don't remember what he said, but he, he basically was like, it's, it's because of paid journal. He's like, why do you think that like this? Ha-? He just started, you know, typical Twitter shit where they yeah, started yeah. like, I'm not even arguing with you. Who are you? But he said, uh, I do want to, I do want to bring it up. Cause I thought it was pretty funny. He, he basically said, um, I can't find it, but I'm trying to remember it. It was like, even if you have the, cause I said people have passion and insight, but maybe not reach. Yeah. And he said, it doesn't matter if you have any passion or insight. He was like, ever since journalists, uh, ever since blogs and journalism has become paid, like it's impossible to make a living writing. He just like took it in a crazy direction. I was like, I'm just asking who to talk to. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Well, that's, on? I mean, I, I think the money in journalism is an issue and it has been for a long time. I don't think that's new though. Like new, news outlets have always had to pay their people and they've always had to find a way to do that by uh-huh. selling advertising. You know, maybe it was a, a full page ad or whatever, or, you know, at the news station that I, I will agree. A lot of our stories were, I don't want to say they were, they were hyperbolized, but we, we would sometimes focus on the wrong part of the story because to get, click or to get, yeah, to get more clicks or to, to sell more ad space, to get better ratings, to get more money. That's marketing. You yeah, know, that's capitalism. Is. That's, that sucks. But that's why I didn't even respond to this. I typed, I typed out like three different responses. Then I was like, why am I going to make this a problem? Why bother? Why bother? Why are you on the internet? This is what he said. He said, uh, because he said passion and insight's great, but how does it pay the bills? Because no matter how passionate and insightful the next generation of journalists might be, it means little if they can't put food on the table. It's like, <laughs> I was just asking like how to get to a press conference. Yeah, right. What the fuck? <laughs> well, your motivation isn't to make money though. Yeah. It, which I think is maybe that's probably his argument is that like, if you're not motivated to make money, then it's it's not valid. And it's like, oh, I don't care. Well, I yeah. make money in different ways. Well, I do this for fun. Well, and I can see a major market, like somewhere, somewhere like New York that has, what, six, eight teams, some stupid amount in, in the in the four major sports. Then I can see how MLS is kind of the fifth sport mm-hmm. doesn't drive the, the revenue in the same way. Yeah. So they don't send people to cover it. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, why spend time writing about something no one's going to read? Yeah. Why spend time making a fucking podcast about post-production for 150 episodes? (laughs) Why are we doing that? Don't worry. We don't have that many many more left. I think, I think 200, right? 200, 200, yeah. Yeah. 200 left. This is a real finale. But we'll take maybe 200. We'll see what happens. If there's enough interest, if, if, if Kevin ever calls in and leaves a message, we'll do 201. All right, uh, Chris, thanks for uh, fucking doing this. I don't know, where can the people find us? Oh, we are at Sizzle Real Gang on Twitter and Instagram. We are Sizzle Real Gang at gmail.com. Send us an email. We are Sizzle Real Gang, the website.com. It is new, it is improved, it is a good ass website. Good ass website. Good ass website. Goddamn sure. And most importantly, we have the Sizzle Real Gold Line. Uh, oh my goodness. That is 3323. My tongue is still stuck to the Sizzle Real Cold Line. Um all right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening and Chris, thank you for being here. Of course. shout out to all you sizzlers out there. Keep on sizzling by. Yo. 
Shishkin Productions podcast.